Hey party people, it's Gigi. I am so excited for today's interview because I am here with a very special guest, Miss Eli Rallo. Hello. And we're going to be doing a live interview here in the Spotify office, which you can see behind us, which is really freaking cool because a year ago, we started out in my bedroom. In I actually took the interview to land this job in a car. And now I'm here now in the Spotify here. office uh, interviewing you, which is so fun. Hi. Hi. So to start things off, I would love if you could just tell the party people out here listening, we have mostly Gen Z millennial audience, love. who you are, what your content is about very briefly, but like make it about like you first. We'll go into okay. the content second. Cool. So thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So proud of you. This is so cool. Um, my name is Eli. I'm 23, turning 24 this weekend. Happy birthday. Thank you. I am originally from the Jersey Shore, and I moved to New York City after graduating from the University of Michigan to go to Columbia Journalism School to get my master's. And while I was there, I started to do a lot of social media stuff, and now I'm doing that. And my content's a lot about like dating and relationships and confidence. And then I'm writing a book, so I got a book deal with Harper Collins in April. Epic. And that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about. We do. But I want to dive into your college years first yeah. and how you've done not only undergrad, but a master's as well, all by 24. Um, I also am a part of that, yes. that party. But tell us about it and how you started social media back in the day. Yeah. So I went to the University of Michigan and I studied theater and creative writing. So I always wanted to be an author. That was like what I was looking to do. But Michigan has a creative writing degree and I was like, hmm, if I do like playwriting and theater, then I could like be involved with that stuff because I loved theater growing up. So I decided to do that and then um, minor in creative writing, minor in political science, kind of like see what happened. So I did that at Michigan and I always loved Instagram. I feel mm -hmm. like I've been like creating content forever because like I was writing plays, I was writing poems, I was writing fiction and then... I just was obsessed with Instagram and I was always like posting funny things on my story or like making content for other people. And then I graduated, had no idea what to do because I just wanted to write books, but I was like, how the fuck do you just like write books? I don't know how to do that. So I started applying to grad school as one does when they have mm -hmm. no idea what to do with their life. Yeah. COVID happens. I got into Columbia for journalism school. I was like, that seems like a concrete path where my parents will be like proud of me to have a mm -hmm. job <laughs> and not just be an artist. So I was at home getting ready to move to New York during the pandemic and I kind of blew up on TikTok super randomly. And I remember when I was leaving um, to move to the city, it had just kept growing and kept growing. So I still went and did my master's program because it was nowhere near mm -hmm. where it is now. Um, I think I moved to New York City with 100,000 followers on TikTok. And that was back before people were monetizing that amount of followers. Yeah. So I did that and I graduated from my program. And then by the time I graduated, I had like 220,000 followers or something along that, those lines. And I decided to take a full-time job in journalism, worked that for six months, and then I left and started to pursue content and writing full-time. So that's kind of wow. where I'm at. Yeah. So when you decided to do TikTok, you know, what, 2019 at this point, yeah. right? Were friends and family members like, what the F are you doing at the time? Yeah, I think, so not initially, because it was like pandemic times and it was like hobby, funny, mm -hmm. like la la la, like we're just hanging out, we're making videos. And then I think when I moved to journalism school, people were like, you're at the best journalism school in the country. Some may say disputable, but like, why are you like fucking around on TikTok when you're, when you're at this prestigious program? And I, you know, I was so blessed and lucky and privileged to be at Columbia, but I didn't feel right there. Like mm -hmm. I will always say, 
say this, I'm not a good journalist. Like, I think I'm a good, like, lifestyle journalist. I can definitely write nonfiction, and I'm a podcast host myself, so I, I know I'm definitely good at that, but I wasn't a good news journalist, and it didn't feel, like, right in my bones. And so I think a lot of people were kind of like, why are you, like, throwing away the opportunity to do something else? And I was like, well, the other thing might be silly to you, but it feels really right to me. Right. So I think that was kind of... And nowadays, not so much. Or... Maybe my grandparents are, are like, now? what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> my grandparents are like, we don't really get it, but we support you. But I think my family's kind of like gotten to the point yeah. where they're like, okay, this is what she does now. It's kind of wild how, like, I feel like you and I have a similar career trajectory where we got this, like, degree from a big university and then we were like, oh, we don't really know what to do. So we were applying to grad school and we're, like, really uncertain, which yeah. I know a lot of people do actually struggle with when they're leaving college. So... Yeah. We also had the unfortunate blessing of COVID happen for us and graduating remotely. Um, How did that kind of affect your mental health? Like graduating like four years of hard work and then also I'm assuming you graduated Columbia remotely or like not a big fiasco. I think it was really interesting. I mean, I always say like you can drown in an ocean and you can drown in a puddle. So I know that like the thoughts and experiences I was having – in a magnitude sort of way, we're definitely smaller than the experiences other people were dealing with over the pandemic. And I was like so lucky and blessed, but I definitely think that there was still that puddle I was drowning in of like deep uncertainty and just like getting sent home for the pandemic and having that like abrupt closure Mm -hmm. was really something that was tough on me at first. But then I think I realized eventually like the class of 2020, like we're, that's all of our stories. Like I was not an individual, like grappling with the fact that my college years had come to a close in such an abrupt manner. Like I was a part of a group of people who was all dealing with that. And I think that that sort of like community aspect sort of helped me. Mm -hmm. But I think the hardest part was just like, my mom was really upset that like her first born and her only daughter like never had a college graduation because my Columbia graduation wasn't really there right right yeah that is low-key I've been like grappling with that myself where I'm like did I get a second degree from USC just for a graduation like (laughs) um no just kidding half kidding (laughs) looking with it (laughs) yeah but like it's fine and I think it's really unique because now I want to dive into like content creation whatnot do you think that those skills that you learn in college are applicable to what you do today and like how you see content creation as a business instead of just like oh yeah I post absolutely like people ask me all the time like how do you like deal with the fact that you literally have a master's in journalism and you don't do journalism right like in so many ways what I do is journalism like I'm writing a book of narrative nonfiction work and that's like everything I learned in college in terms of creative writing and journalism school which is huge yeah and it's crazy and I also host a podcast and I took audio journalism at Columbia because I knew that podcasting was a route that I really wanted to take Mm because I like can't really stop talking ever and I also was like I just feel like I have something to say so I think that those two things 100% and then in a more macro way like creating content like I look at everything that I was passionate about at school and like theater is like creating content for an audience to consume to walk away with and to open up a dialogue and like journalism is creating content for like a reader or an audience if you're doing broadcast or whatever you're Mm -hmm. doing to consume to walk away and form an opinion and open a dialogue and in a very very interesting way TikTok and Instagram are doing those same things specifically with the type of content that we post like I'm looking to incite those conversations right and so I think that the through line has been that all along yeah that's super cool and I think it also just goes to show like a lot of people are always like oh well you're wasting your degree or like does it really apply to what you're doing and it's like actually I have a business I'm managing I don't know how many profiles you have like across platforms but I manage over 12 for like what I do and people don't realize that you have to have 
like a lot of structure in place. So with the business of content creation, how do you keep yourself like accountable and also manage your time with posting, with going to events, with going to recordings, with writing your book? How do you do it? So I'm really lucky that I have to shout out my team. Like they're amazing. My managers, Brooke and Amanda are like chef's kiss. And then my agents are like wonderful as well for my book. So like, that's amazing. My assistant's amazing. So like all of those people, takes a village yeah but something I always say is like if you look at my google calendar and my assistant has it it literally says like work out with like julia this morning at 7 a.m like did I need to write that down probably not like I was just working out with my friend and then it'll be like you know getting nails done doing laundry because I need to look at my day and see like every little thing that's happening right I'll schedule like a three-hour block that's like writing and then everybody that has my access to my calendar knows I'm not scheduling meetings during that time I'm not like doing something social and like I thought of it as a little obsessive when I was writing down like dinner with the roommates because those are my best friends yeah but then I recognized like I can't make all of this happen because I'm one person if I'm not that organized so lists are like my shit so like the google calendar is like intense and insane and then um lists everywhere and then just asking for help I think I really struggled for a while and I was talking to my therapist like I feel really guilty hiring an assistant to help me with my podcast and she was like well like last week I had a babysitter over and I just realized I was too in over in my head and I asked her like can I pay you 50 extra bucks to clean the kids rooms Mm -hmm. like just put away the toys and stuff she was like you have to ask for help when you need help and like it's not like you're not paying her like you're gonna treat her well you're gonna pay her like you're not going to be able to accomplish anything. And so I think like asking for help was a really important like thing to come to terms with for me because I wanted to do it all myself. And I realized like it's not reasonable. Like sometimes I just can't be like uploading the podcast and like inserting the ads and like writing the blurbs when Mm -hmm. I need to be like making page deadlines. Yeah. So when was the first like uh, moment that you knew you needed to build a team and how did you go about finding them? It's a really good question. I, so very like sadly, I had to abruptly leave my journalism job because of like, my boss was just very creepy and like not not treating me well yeah, and like it, I'm sorry to hear the that. situation was a straw that broke the camel's back situation where I just abruptly left and I had already been applying for other journalism jobs so I never expected to be full-time content yeah in the same week a management company had reached out to me and I took a meeting with them and they let me know like how much money they think I could make and I had a pretty good savings behind myself from mm-hmm. working and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to like Jesus take the wheel and go for it. So they were my first managers. They were wonderful, but I don't know if our like um, needs and desires aligned. Mm-hmm. So I then got reached out to by a manager from LA and that's my current management team. And I just took a meeting with them and it felt really right. Yeah. She sort of asked me like, what do you want in 10 years? Which is something that nobody had asked me before. Yeah, no. And I was still pretty early on in making content um, professionally and like for a career. Mm-hmm. So that's how I went about finding them and or they found me I guess and then similarly with my agents like I knew that I wanted to be an author I knew that I wanted to shift um my platform to doing that and that was my end goal I was writing a newsletter because I just wanted to do something and it had like 10,000 reads every time I did it and I was like wow that's a lot yeah I just kept going but I wasn't ready to like put my foot forward and like look for literary agents and then mine again serendipitously reached out to me one night um they were just like these are the clients that we represent like we want to work on a book of nonfiction, like like you do on your newsletter like literally freaked out took a meeting with them loved them to death and then I signed with them I think in January and we ended up pitching the book proposal in April and then Mm -hmm. signed with HarperCollins and then my assistant I found on my own so she's like the one person on my team that I found on my own um 
it was important to me to be building like an all-female team. I, yeah. I really like to work with women. Same. It's just very helpful for me. Yeah. No shame to men. I just like, right. if it's going to be like my people, then I'm going to want it to be women. And she's um, a musician. She lives in New York City. She's graduated college and she's like trying to make, you know, ends meet and make things mm-hmm. work while she does her music career. I love that she was creative, but she's like has her shit together in the most brilliant way. She's phenomenal. I love her. And so I, um, that was when I decided I like really needed help because I was like, I'm so in over my head, which I'm sure you can understand. You just yes. get overwhelmed. So I, um, I think I'd reached a breaking point where like once the book stuff was happening and then the podcast, we signed mm-hmm. into a platform and then like thing on top of thing, I was like, I just need somebody that can like do the everything for the podcast where all I have to do is sit down and record right so she's been a blessing and I'm sure the team will grow as I do but right now I'm like very very lucky like they're all wonderful people yeah that is incredible and I think it's something that creators are realizing is essential to actually scaling as a business instead of just like being an individual doing it all that's great for like a year yeah and once you hit that point where I don't think benchmarks are even like numbers or even something that can like define when you need an agent when you need an assistant it's really like what can you do to make ends meet first of all but second of all how can you find people to help you build that structure so you don't burn out over time um I also have like a team of six and then three externally so yeah or four three or four externally and it's just like again building and building and building so eventually you do burn out have has that ever happened to you with being a creator, like having everything stacked on top of you, managing a team, writing a book, traveling, all that jazz. It definitely has. And I don't know, like, I think burnout looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And like, it's interesting because it's one of those words that like Gen Z has taken and just like sprinted with. And so I don't even, I think it's become like hyperbolic and like defined in really weird ways. But for me, like when I noticed it happening was that I didn't want to make anything and my, I'm very, very creative person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I literally failed math in college. Like, I'm not analytical. Like, Word. I'm too. a lover. I'm creative. <laughs> and, like, when my brain doesn't want to create things, it there's just, like, nothing there. Yeah. And it, like, scared me. Like, I do remember feeling, like, really anxious. And I think I just took a little bit of time away. And by a little bit of time for me is, like, a weekend. Because, like, that's all yeah. I really need to just, like, yeah. jumpstart. Because I post so much about my life. And so I think, like, I just needed, like you know, 72 hours of a break to just, like, reset Mm -hmm. my mind and, like, I'll go through and read old things that I wrote or just, like, get re-inspired and, like, look to, like, mentor texts and books and television shows that inspire me to sort of, like, re-jumpstart the creative engine. But for me, burnout really just looks like I don't want to do it Mm -hmm. or I start to resent the work. Like, I'm not feeling creative and I think that I put an immense pressure on myself but I think my audience puts a pressure on me that, like, Uh. justifiably so to be creative funny because like that's why they followed me and I feel a responsibility to do that for them but sometimes I'm like I have nothing like I don't even know so I think yeah that was really hard and it was a few months ago and what's your relationship like with your audience like I know that's the whole I think phenomenon that is TikTok is the way that creators build a really engaging community around whatever niche or subject and I know you're community is very very passionate and like involved so you mentioned that they like you know like want you to always be creating how does that affect you and like your mental health it's a good question I think my my community is really close so at the end of the day like when I post like I need a break like I have thousands of DMs being like, take it, we love you. Like, they're really gentle with me, Mm -hmm. which is so wonderful. Um, And that's been a really, like, rewarding thing. Um, I think that, like, overall, just having all of those eyes is a bit of pressure that I didn't expect. 
but it's not that I don't like it. Like I, I would say I love it and I love my community so deeply and I'm really grateful that we've created like a friendship almost like right. I run into people that follow me on TikTok and Instagram all the time. And like these people are like so genuine and fun and just like adorable and full of life. And like, I feel like I know them as a person Mm -hmm. and I also answer a lot of my DMs. So I put myself on a really personal level with people and I get to like, like celebrate their wins with them and see their day-to-day struggles. So I think like anytime that I'm struggling with my own mental health, I remember like how rewarding that feels and like also just how wonderful it is to connect to other people and like how that's such a plus side of the social media stratosphere for me. Yeah, and do you ever think about, like, the actual people of, like, how many people you're actually talking to online? Yeah, for sure. I, um... So I went to college in Michigan, mm-hmm. and the Michigan football stadium fits, yeah. like, 100,000 people. Like, Same with USC. Sometimes, like, 120. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll just, like, think about it like that. Like, I'll think about, like, Literally how many times same. I could fill that up. And I, I also think it sometimes it's hard for it to not become a numbers game because, like, you know, people are, like, shitting all over Charlie D'Amelio when she said she wanted to hit 100 million mm-hmm. in the same year that she hit a million. But I'm like, well, if a guy that you met was, like, I work at Goldman Sachs and I really want to advance and get a promotion, you'd be like, that's really cool. Go get him. Right. And, like, that is her version of a promotion like building on a following is yes. her version of a promotion because that's the only way that she could like tangibly see herself growing mm-hmm. so I think it's really hard to not fall into the numbers game thing and I remind myself of the current leverage and scale I have whenever I do because I'm like this is a shitload of people and I'm really lucky to have each and every one of them yeah I also do think about my following in terms of stadiums yeah <laughs> um because I went to USC and we had the Coliseum so I guess apparently We'll be playing each other soon since USC oh my God, just yes. joined the Big Ten. That's crazy. I love it. I know. I'm like really excited I about that. I want to be a game in LA because that would be so go. fun. Let's, Let's do go. it. If it it's a Michigan-USC game, we're going. We're going. We're going. Period. It's going to happen. Yeah. So that is crazy. But yeah, I, I agree. It's like being personal is something that does set you aside. And when you're scaling, it's also hard to even build a roadmap. Like I went yeah. to art school. Part of the reason why I wanted to continue in my innovation business science technology degree was like, so I could learn business structures and scaling a startup yeah. and so on and so forth. Like what, like what are your 10 year goals? Like how did you like tangibly come up with the structure that you're going to implement to scale or continue to scale I think it happened really randomly like my rise from like zero to a hundred and then a hundred and two hundred and then like from 200 to now which is like Mm -hmm. five thirty thousand on tiktok and then um, I think almost eighty thousand on instagram (laughs) like those that growth happened really quickly yeah it just like shot up and my goal was to never be a social media influencer and I don't want to make it sound like I'm not grateful because it is the best ride of my life yeah I want to be a writer like very truly and deeply Mm -hmm. and I one day want to host my own show and I want to help people and do public speaking I did a TED talk this year and it was like just I felt really at home doing that kind of stuff so I think my 10-year goal is like I want to write books and I have for my whole entire life wanted to live like on a farm or in a cottage and write my little books. And, I really and you're wanna, in New York City. Yeah, no, I'm in New York City right now saying this. And I want to own um, a jam farm. Like, this is my oh, lifelong dream. I want to okay. grow berries and then make jam. And I just want to be my little writer self, like, traveling, yeah. public speaking, making jam. Like, that's making the version jam. of my life that's, like, beautiful, Lovely. sexy, wonderful. Yeah. And so it's been really crazy to be, like, in glam, on red carpets. Doing right. This. But I think this is, like, the ride of my 20s that I need right now. Yeah. And I'm loving every second of it and that 10-year goal is not possible without this one yeah um but things change like damn if if you told me like last year on my 23rd birthday like your life would be here today I'd be like shut the fuck up you're crazy right so I don't even have like a 10-year plan or even a plan to scale I just am trying to like ride the wave Mm -hmm. be as authentic to myself and my community as possible and like 
Just be nice to other people. <laughs> yeah, of course. I think it's really interesting also how sometimes people are like, oh, I'm so scared to go up to you or like, I yeah. saw you, like I'll get a DM if I'm somewhere and people are like, I saw you across the street and I was like, why didn't you like come up to me and yeah. say hi? Have you ever had an experience in person where somebody's been like, oh my gosh, you're exactly like you are online or like you're not like you are online? Yeah. So I have most of my experiences are like, oh my God, you're the same that you are yeah. um, online. And I okay. think lovely. that's really lovely, but yeah. I do have the same experience of like, I was too scared to say hi, which <laughs> my one and only thing is like, never be afraid of me. Like I'm right. probably afraid of you. Like I'm yeah. a bug. Like, like <laughs> I'm more scared of you than you're afraid of me. Like I swear to God. But the only one time that you should be too scared to say hi to me is if we're in like a locker room at a gym. Like yesterday I was changing in SoulCycle and bless this girl's heart. I wasn't even naked because I don't even get fully naked in locker rooms because I'm like scared of this very fact. But I had like a towel around my waist. So I was like putting on a dress and there was a girl next to me also getting ready and she DM me. I was like, I was a girl next to me in SoulCycle bathroom. Like I literally couldn't say hi, but like I did see you. And I was like, that's actually probably good you didn't say yeah. hi. So I was like, I was like out of the shower at Soul Cycle. But I was also like, always say hi to me. Like, everybody always say hi to me unless right. I'm butt naked in the Equinox shower. Okay, yeah, <laughs> noted. Don't say hi to your favorite influencers at the gym. Like, when they're changing. When they're changing yeah. in the locker room. Always Very say hi specific. when I'm on the treadmill. Like, I want to break. Like, if yeah. I'm running, say hi. I want to stop. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And in terms of, like doing public speaking and everything, were you always this confident or was this something you've like grown into over time? I think like I was inherently really talkative and like mm -hmm. audacious and opinionated, but I didn't have a lot of self-esteem, I think is the way that I would okay. put it. Um, in college, I really like, I remember going to college and being like, I'm going to reinvent myself. I don't want to be the loud girl anymore. I don't want to be the talkative girl. I don't want to be the girl that like gets up in front of people. I want to be like cool and I want people to really like me. And I tried to like put on this facade mm -hmm. and I always say it was like, squeezing myself into a pair of pants that were one size too small like okay. my personality was like threatening to burst out the whole time and eventually and this was what my TED talk was about I was kind of just like I'm done like I don't mm -hmm. want to pretend anymore to be somebody that I'm not and I just sort of like decided to drop into being myself fully um and like in a very committed way and so I think that was a really interesting switch that I had when I was like 19 yeah. going on 20 so like five years ago and then Ever since then, I've just said exactly what's on my mind and, like, been willing to public speak and, and be loud and be audacious and be that, that version of myself, which I'm really excited about. And then that's how I ended up doing the TED Talk and right. all these other things. So it's been yeah. wild. TED Talk is, like, a life goal of mine as well. But You'd be so good. Oh, stop. Um, I, need, I need training from you. But with that, like, you're, you're essentially talking about, like, the power that is within you, yeah. like, and really being able to be that person that's like, no, like, I'm going to change the way that I act. I used yeah. to be super shy, actually. Oh and, like, God, not talk to... I can't I know. imagine that. It's really <laughs> weird. Everyone that I meet is always, like, like, especially my friends from high school are, like, I don't even, like... You're so joyful. ...recognize yeah. this because yeah. I was, like really like a follower yeah. like growing up I was not the in the popular kids I was always like on the outskirts yeah. and now like I do my own thing but it's like the irony of how things totally. have really ebbed and flowed over time is really interesting and also I think it it poses a question about like what we value as kind of social currency today yeah. like being even within the influencer community like being verified yeah like some people will dm me all the time just like can you get me verified and i'm like i literally do not work for yeah. like meta like i don't yeah. work for tiktok like i don't work for all of these companies why are you actually coming to me and like yeah. asking me a question that's really just wasting my time yeah. do you have any pet peeves of you know, so the social media world of people like asking you questions or asking um, you for things as you've grown. So I think my one pet peeve, um, I have two pet peeves as it 
pertains to people like audience Mm -hmm. um and the first one would just be like I really don't like projections and I know it's like very inherent and it's very much so a thing on TikTok and it's like people will tell themselves a story about you and Mm -hmm. you being me and then they'll mine for little details to confirm that story to be true but that story is like built on lies and the details that you're mining for like don't even add up with it but it's just like it makes them feel better um do you know what I mean (laughs) yeah so that really gives me a lot of like frustration because I'm like what, like, what do you mean? Like, you know, I guess an example would be, like, my friends went um, on a trip to Philly last two weeks ago. I was supposed to go, and then I totally got all my timing messed up. I had a brand deal for Broadway Con, which is Broadway Convention, mm-hmm. and I couldn't go anymore. And um, I guess the story that people wanted to tell of me was that I didn't want to be there anyways, and I was lying. And then the details they found is that I went out on Saturday night. And I was like, I went out on Saturday night because I was at Broadway Con all day Friday and all day Saturday right. during the day because it's yeah. like a nighttime event. So what was I going to do? Like, because I'm not in Philly, sit inside? Right. Um, I guess that's an example of, like, something that's frustrating because that's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to just, like, kind of forget about that. Yeah. Um, and then I would say in terms of, like, the social media, like, social circle of influencers, I tend to judge by, like, because everyone's going to be nice to your face, right? Like, they right. have to be because they want a good reputation. For the most part. I've never had anyone be mean to my face. But the way that I judge if I actually like somebody outside of just being, like, co-workers, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. is I bring my friends and my boyfriend a mm-hmm. lot to events and people that remember those people and, like, care to ask them questions yeah. and care to, like, know who they are. And it isn't just, like, oh, I'm just caring who you are because you have followers or you're yeah. verified or all those things. Like, you know, I all my social media friends I think bring like the same few plus ones and I know those people and I yeah. like those people right. and they're wonderful and they're kind and they're cool and it doesn't matter what they do for work because I just like them and yeah. it doesn't matter that they're not influencers so I think that's something that I is a pet peeve of mine is when people do the opposite and they kind of just like look past someone because they don't yeah. have followers I'm like yeah Ugh. I don't know how I feel about that because I would I wouldn't want to do that to somebody else yeah I definitely feel the same I try to bring some of the same friends but now I have my lovely assistant behind the camera um helping us yes now she comes with me and I think it's cool also because like my team's like Gen Z so it's also when I bring them places it's also like hi like we are actually like I'm like kind of giving you like a little like taste of like what it's like to be doing this full time but I have only had a couple bad experiences of people being like gross to my face like to be very blunt and I would say that like the best thing that you could do is just remember like it's just one instance and I actually saw this video on TikTok last night about kind of like flipping the script no matter where you are and it's like whatever you're doing in a given moment like for example this morning like my dog threw up on my bed like my brand new duvet cover and everything and my rug and a new dress that I just bought I don't know how I I, I, at five in the morning like are we kidding that happened but then I like woke up I like cleaned it and then I like took a little nap I got all glammed and then I like uber down here and I was like what like this is so great what like can make this better yeah right so now I'm like sitting here with you and I have a juice and like fresh coffee in hand like I'm good I'm good but like what's next like what can be better later on like elevate this day yeah and it also like one thing doesn't have to make your whole day shitty like right that situation in and of itself is shitty that that's how your day started yeah it doesn't have to be how it ends right exactly and I think how things end is really important I agree um and I want to talk a little bit about the Tonys um I'm also a Broadway girly I love theater like I'm obsessed so when you went I literally like died um it was it looked incredible and it also shows the power of being a creator and making a certain kind of content leaning into it and then having 
big corporations notice you and be like, uh, we want you to like attend this, make a little video about it. And also it's like kind of like a pinnacle moment where you're like, this is what I've wanted to do, where I've wanted to be for so long. How did that feel to get there? Like how did, how did that all come to be? It was crazy. So I, um, got invited by CBS and Instagram. She emailed me and I was literally like, holy shit. (laughs) And they, they only invited five content creators. Four of them were male. And then we all had a plus one. So I was like, this is insane. Like I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I had such a deep sense of like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck is going on that I'm just going to just go for it. Right. And they invited me like eight days before. So it was like a race to the finish line to like get ready for it. Love Um, a last minute moment. (laughs) Very, very exciting. I got to have a plus one. So I brought my friend who's also a TikToker, Karen DiPietro. She makes like theater content. And I knew she would just be so excited if I brought her as my plus one. I was like, I want to do this with somebody else who like cares about this also so deeply. Mm -hmm. So it was very intentional about inviting her because I was like, I know she's going to just feel so excited about this as I am. And it was just the craziest night. I think, like, I had been to the Tonys before in 2019 on a student ticket, um, and I, like, had this whole moment where I remember my mom being like, well, one day you're going to be there for because they're going to be giving you a Tony, or one day you're going to be there mm-hmm. because you worked on a show that's Tony nominated because I studied theater, and I always thought that's what I would do. And it's so interesting that, like, you find your way back to the place you always wanted to be, but, like, the path was different, and maybe the reason yeah. for being there is different. So it was a really, like, sweet, um, like, inner child moment for me because I just, like, sat in my basement of my parents' house watching the Tony since I was, like, 10 years old. Right. And, like, it was just really chaotic and insane and wonderful and like getting to experience it with Kara and getting to bring her along was also really special because like we both just had a very like I don't know emotional time yeah that is so cool I love full circle moments it's definitely like really humbling yeah and also it just goes to show like how proud you're allowed to be for yourself like that was like almost like a reward like a present like a a blessing to be able to be there in the moment for something that you've yes. aspired um, to do for so long. So congrats on Thank being there. You. That was awesome. I want to get into this concept of miscongeniality and dating because yes. that is what you are known for um, now on TikTok, yes. aside from your snacking yeah. content. Jars. Uh, yeah, your, your jars content. Um, but let's talk a little bit about like dating as a Gen Z because also we're in New York and that makes we things are. real rough. It does. Uh, so I think, like, I just want to go in with, like, your best and worst dating experiences at first. Okay. That's good. Um, yeah. God we'll start worst. easy. <laughs> I would say, you know, when I got to New York, I, I, I had a very different mindset. And I think, like, the mindset switch is what I've been really, like, trying to preach to other people. And my mindset was, like, this, like, my analogy that I use, like, I opened the door to a perpetual waiting room, put myself in there, locked it, and lost the key on purpose, Mm. not realizing that, like, nobody was going to come get me. I had to get myself out of there, and I put myself in there. I was dating to be chosen instead of dating to find myself or find an experience or find someone that I really Mm -hmm. wanted to fuck around with for a while. So I think, like, when I got to New York dating to be chosen, I had just had some shit experiences with people because I just was like pick me, choose me. Like, and I wasn't a pick me in any way, but I was like dating to be chosen. I think (laughs) it's the best way to describe. And, um, there was this guy that I wanted to date with and we go on the date and he doesn't even know I'm a theater major, but we're somehow coming up on the conversation of like theater. And this like first 20 minutes, he goes, I literally hate Broadway. I hate musicals. No. I was like, "Mm, okay. And And it just was like, I think anyone being like on a first date being like, I hate this. And even if it's something that I don't like too, it's just negative. Like, yeah. God. We don't like that. So he was like, I hate musicals. I don't think that anybody can actually sing, dance, and act all at the same time and make it good. So I saw Hamilton. It was a wreck. 
And I was like, you know, I'm definitely, like, not the first person to, like, I definitely am a theater critic. I like to go and, like, nitpick. But it's not a wreck. Like, and also relax. And also works a negative. So And also, left. if you don't know theater, like, don't even talk. Like, no. Yeah. Like, you don't even know the lead actor's yeah. name, honey. Come on. Relax. Come and on. so that was definitely a worst. Can we go um, to Into the Woods together, by the way? We should. Let's do it. We should, because I want to see it. Yeah, same. We should. Okay, let's go. Um, <laughs> but I would say best is, like, when I switched my mindset and started to, like, get myself out of that perpetual waiting room and kind of, like, hit the gas and go myself, I went on, um a first date with my now boyfriend and I for the first time in my life like left the date not wanting to like immediately sleep with him not wanting to like immediately make out with him I just felt really comfortable and it kind of felt like I was sitting here with you yeah like we just ate dinner and I used to be so anxious to eat in front of guys and like we just had dinner and we talked and we had some drinks and I left being like we're definitely gonna fall in love I just had this like feeling but I was also like I don't feel the need to go home with you I don't feel even feel the need right. to kiss you like I just feel like you're somebody that I want to know and like that I felt comfortable and like the lack of like butterflies like I felt so calm yeah and like collected and it was really like a becoming it was very special yeah do you think that that whole concept of butterflies is just like anxiety because that's what I yeah. have experienced yeah where like I realized I'm like oh I have butterflies I'm like no 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 this is yeah. actually a huge yeah. red flag I think that butterflies are a yellow flag so oh, okay this is I'm gonna tell you why because I think you know, my theater directors, when I was growing up, always used to tell me, if you're nervous, it means you care. And I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous walking up to my second date with my now boyfriend. But I didn't have, like, the the butterflies, I think, is anxiety. Like, the bubbling up in your chest, like, the will they right. text me, will they not, that erraticness. Like, that is that is when it becomes red flag territory because it's like, if someone is going to be actually liking you and wanting to prioritize you, they're not going to make you nervous. They're right. not going to make you feel nervous. You might be a little nervous to go on a date, but that person isn't making you feel nervous. Right. Their actions aren't making you anxious. And I think butterflies come when someone's actions or lack thereof, because they're not contacting you. Yeah. They're not being clear. That's when you get the butterflies. Absolutely. So how did you go about finding green flag worthy material in New York? Okay. That's a good question. You know, yeah. I, for so long, I was like obsessively dating, dating mm -hmm. to be chosen I remember calling my mom and being like, none of this is working out. Dating in New York sucks. And she was like, what if you just stopped? <laughs> and I had this like earth shattering realization that I had been basically effectively like dating by running into traffic, waiting for someone to hit me with a car and that car being like a potential suitor. Mm -hmm. But when you're running into traffic screaming like, here I am, people are going to like slam on their brakes and be like, Jesus Christ. Right, yeah. You need to just like cross the street without looking at all and just mm. like go on your merry way and then someone's going to slam into you Ooh, and like okay. knock you off your feet. Whoa. So that was like the analogy I came up with where I was like, I'm just going to stop trying and not yeah. like fully trying, but I'm just like gonna live my life for me I'm gonna do what I want to do I'm gonna live like my soulmate's like gonna come in a year yeah and see what happens and like that's when I met him and that's like when I realized that like I'd been focusing a lot on like the love that I lacked and not mm -hmm. the love that I had in front of my face and like once I started filling my life with that love like familial love relationships mm -hmm. like friendships my career all those things I like I felt better and I think it like it attracted the right person. Of course. That is lovely. Um, great analogy. It's quite hilarious. <laughs> um, so as like an elder Gen Z, we're like, you know, elder millennials, we're elder, but we're elder Gen yeah. Zs. Um, so if you're born after the year 2000, listen up. Listen um, up, 2000. Yeah. <laughs> you 2000s kids, you Gen Alphas. Yeah. I don't even like I'm that. Really I don't like that. Either. But anyway, um, what would be your advice to somebody who feels like they haven't met the one, but like they feel behind, and we're talking about like under 24 years yeah. old? So my literal number one advice is exist in your life. Like I just looked you in the eyes and said mm -hmm. like, 
I'm psychic. Your soulmate is coming. Your soulmate's coming like a year from today. Like, mm-hmm. imagine I said that to you. Yeah. I'd and be then like, you started okay. living your and then you believed me also. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Me. And then you started living your life like you knew they were coming. Mm-hmm. You would just like have fun. You would prioritize yourself right. and be totally intentionally selfish. You'd prioritize your friends. You would go on some dates and have some fun hookups just because. Right. Just to do it. It wouldn't be like for the goal of anything. It would just be because, and that is when the person comes along. Ooh. And I think a lot of times we don't really do that yeah and also like there's really no pressure to focus on dating when you are literally like under I mean honestly when you're like under 40 lately that's what everyone's saying like 40 is the new 30 I think I think if I was single right now I would be like you know I would be putting myself out there but I used to be like a hinge marathoner where I would just sit right swipe all day and I'm now just like you know what? I'm just going to, like, live life. Humans are magnets. I'll yeah. have the right one. I feel like Kourtney Kardashian, where she's like, I'm just living life. I'm just living life. Yeah. And that's what you should do, according yeah. to Eli. Um, and Kourtney, obviously. Um, okay. So, last but not least, I wanted to dive into your book. I know we touched on it a little, but there's so much to talk about here. Yes. Um, first of all, congratulations on HarperCollins. Thank That's you. literally epic. You told us a little bit about how the agents like found you and what the process was with kind of like pitching and everything, but how did you like conceptualize this book? Um, how was it born? That's a great, a good question. And thank you. Um, so I was doing these like rules lists on TikTok and a mm-hmm. lot of them were dating focused. I was really like listening to my audience and their needs. I was giving a lot of advice on Instagram and my agents were like, when I met with them, they were like, we think that this book would be narrative nonfiction, like in the style of the rules and each chapter is like rules for blank. Mm-hmm. And it goes through like the lifeline of our relationship. So it's part one, two, and three. Part one is like getting to know someone. Part two is like getting into a relationship with someone. And then part three is sort of like getting to know yourself. Right. So I love the idea. I had already written some essays, so we put it all together, um, and we pitched it out. And so I would say the book, it's called I Didn't Know I Needed This, um, and it's kind of like, you know, it's your modern-day advice column, but it's mm-hmm. not, like, patronizy or, like, student-teachery or, like, I'm so wise, I have all this wisdom. It's right. more so, like, I messed up a lot, and I'm still messing up, and I want to put myself on the same level you are, and I want us to just, like... Imagine it's like we're sitting on your bed having a gossip sesh and I'm giving you advice and you're giving me advice and we're opening the door to conversations that like maybe are a little embarrassing or maybe are a little awkward like and we don't know how to navigate it and like we feel like we should have it figured out and so I think like it's more so kind of like me saying like I'm going through this with you let's go through it together um, through personal essays so it's like storytelling with advice um, and I think yeah I hope everyone takes it with a grain of salt but also that everybody buys it it'll be out in <laughs> fall 2023 I'll buy it um, okay Miss Carrie Bradshaw, uh, <laughs> going from columnist to book writer. That's insane. Um, I also saw you have your little studio set up. Oh that God. is so much fun. That actually gave me inspo because I was like, I want to do this when I write my book. Yes. Um, tell us about like your writing rituals and how you like set yourself up for success when you're like writing for a couple yeah. hours. So I'm definitely a different kind of writer than a lot of people. I would say, you know, or, okay, I don't even know how most authors write, but, like, the, you know, media adaptation mm-hmm. of, like, an author is, like, a person, like, everywhere they go, they're just, like, opening their computer and, like, writing for their book. I yeah. can't do that. Yeah. So, like, today I probably won't write 
I need to do it in like five hour chunks or like four oh, hour chunks or three hour chunks. I'm like the kind of person that wants to sit down and work on something for three hours. So I set aside like writing days. Mm-hmm. Um, and my office is like amazing. I'm obsessed with it. And I have my desktop, which I love. It's the best purchase like I've ever made. And I literally will just go there for a few hours and I kind of like get my coffee, get my water, get my headphones on. I listen to like mm-hmm. Taylor Swift or Lord or Nora Jones. I'm like a chill vibes. And then I'll just write. Um, I also think the best advice I ever got was that every good writer needs to read more than they write. So my writing process has a lot of reading in it as well. Um, lately I've been loving writing on the weekends. I just think that like the weekdays are met with so many different things and engagements Mm -hmm. and evening engagements and meetings and brand deals and everything else. And then on the weekends I can just really unplug and like no one's bothering me. Not that it's a bother, but you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. Do you ever take time for yourself? (laughs) And what does that look like? Um... Yeah, I do. And I think I tend to like, it's, it's different for everybody. For me, my working out schedule is really time for myself. Working out has always been a solace for Mm -hmm. me. So that's really helpful. I'm obsessed with showering, like really randomly. I love like really elaborate showers. I love all the body scrubs. Not like cold showers. Sometimes it depends. My therapist is always like, you need to go places where you can't have your phone. You need to go to the nail salon. You need to go into a shower, a bubble bath, all those things. Um, and then I think just time spent with my boyfriend and my roommates or like, is time mm-hmm. that I take for myself. Like I usually spend every night with either him or like last night I went to dinner with my roommates and like, I wasn't on my phone and like, I just like spent a few hours with them and just, we caught up and we talked and like, it makes me feel like a person again. Yeah. After I feel like, you know, I'm doing so much output all day. So I think like it's, it, you have to be intentional about it because it's so easy to be glued to your phone. With Absolutely. Like and then like also the fact that our career is our phone. Our career is yep. p- putting ourselves online. Do you ever feel like there's moments where you're like oversharing or undersharing or maybe you're like struggling? Do you share that openly with your audience or do you just kind of like ghost? Yeah, no, I definitely do. I try to, I always say like something that I also struggle with is like people expect us to like, I don't know, be, it's something definitely parasocial relationships, like be perfect or like they have this idea of who we are in their head and like the minute that we like even have a different opinion than they do, like it's a betrayal. Um, Mm. And I think that's something that I've always tried to do is like tell people that I'm learning as I go and I'm learning with them and I'm always going to be honest about when something changes for me. So I used to post a lot about my personal relationships online. It was something that like, it was just fun and like all my friends and my family, my boyfriend, they all loved doing it. And then I think I pulled back and realized like my personal life and my online life were becoming... I was trying to make them the same thing when they're not. Yeah. Um, and, like, some things need to just be for me. So I think, like, I told my followers, like, I'm gonna not going to be posting about my relationship anymore. And I said, you know, like, if and when I am single, you'll know. But otherwise, you can just assume that I'm really happy and, like, I need something that's just for me. Yeah. Um, and I did tell them, like, I'm learning as I go. And, like, I realized that this wasn't serving me in the way that I thought it was. And it's okay for me to change my mind about that. That maybe I was oversharing or maybe I was just sharing something that I actually don't want to share. Um, and that doesn't mean anything's wrong. It just means I learned a lesson. And so I think, like... It's important to be honest with them in that way because it helps them to realize, like, I'm not perfect. Yeah. And a couple more questions here as we come to a close. So what would be your advice to somebody who's just starting out? I'm sure you've answered this question a million times before, but I think, like, how do you go from, like, zero to 100? Like, what, again, like, when do you hire an assistant? When do you scale? When do you start an LLC if you have one? Like. How do you learn about all of that stuff? So for me, it's definitely been like trial by fire, like literally so <laughs> random. But I always tell people like if you want to be a content creator, you have to make content. And yeah. my friend Jeremy Sheck, he's a food content creator. Love him. He said to me one time, like you just have to begin. It's like anything. Like if you want to start doing something, you just have to begin. Mm-hmm. And beginning is sometimes the hardest part. I think consistency is really important. Um, 
give yourself like a goal. So like say like I'm gonna post one video every day for 30 days and just see what happens. And after yeah. the 30 days, if you're like fuck that, that was awful and I didn't get any views, fine. But maybe you're like that was pretty cool and I grew a little bit. I'm gonna right. keep going. Um, consistency is everything. If you want it, just show up for yourself in mm-hmm. that way. And then I think things will. Build your community, people that are doing the same kind of stuff. Like, that's how I learned about a lot of things. Like, that's how I, you know, figure out what my rates should be if I'm being undersold. Or, like, that's how I figured out, like, oh, I need an assistant. Other people have hired assistants. Here's what they have to say about Mm -hmm. it. And I know these people because I built my community of people that are like-minded and do the same kind of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think I have two more questions for you. Yes. Um, The first one, actually, they're both kind of rapid fire. But, like, what's your favorite rom-com? 27 dresses oh okay I don't know if I've watched that movie <gasps> oh my god it's I just love weddings and it's 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 perfect okay it's I perfect. guess I have to watch it then and then I end all my episodes with what is your favorite quote or mantra that you go by uh, mine is be still and wait and okay. it's very simple but a actual like a witch told me it. Oh. I was interviewing a witch when I was at journalism school and she decided to like read me at the end because she was mm-hmm. also like a red tarot and all these mm-hmm. things and she was like what you need in your life right now is to be still and wait like you're working really hard you're doing all the right things like the good things are going to come just be still and wait and I realized it, it was just like a really beautiful thing yeah and I've lived by that ever since so and look what and happened yeah look what happened oh my god she was right yeah well Eli thank you so much for coming on yeah. tell everyone where they can find you yes um my Instagram is Eli.Rallo my TikTok is at the jar with two R's mm-hmm. and the book is coming out in fall 2023 and my podcast is linked everywhere on all my socials yeah and I will link all of this in the description thank you so much for watching thank and you. listening everyone thank you for coming thank you for this was me. epic so this was fun. the first ever Yay. live video yeah. interview in the spotify office i loved it so peace out party people see you next time Bye bye